The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Welcome. Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be, bold, be brave, be and be brave. fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Today's guest is Paul Netto. He is the Chief Marketing Officer of Measure. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks, Seema. Pleasure to be here. I'm excited. You are my first interview that I've conducted in the new year, so I think that bodes well for us in our conversation. Great. Looking forward to it. So, Paul, there is so much discussion around blockchain and all the different players, at least in our industry. I mean, blockchain obviously is impacting so many other vertical industries. But tell us a little bit more about what Measure does. Sure. And, you know, we're really at an interesting point in this, you know, in, in the development of this industry because we've just had a year where, you know, last year at IEX, there was a lot of hype around and a lot of discussion about blockchain. We've had a lot of development and there's been everything that's been happening, you know, around cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And we're really in that stage of education and trying to understand what it means, you know, means for us specifically. Now measure, you know, in the broadest sense, it's a blockchain based protocol or a platform that facilitates a marketplace for what we call person based data. And this is a marketplace where individuals, you know, primarily have full control of their data. And they can monetize it with researchers, advertisers, brands, and so forth. And they really contribute data by completing various types of data tasks, which includes, of, you know, one of the many things is uh, participating in surveys or other tasks such as sharing behavioral data, their Amazon history, health, location data, and so forth. And we specifically utilize blockchain and cryptography to build what we call a protocol. And it's really just defining a set of rules of engagement. Okay. These rules are really about coordinating and aligning incentives, motivations, behaviors, and some really to benefit two core stakeholders. Okay. Um, and this is really important. These are the respondents or the contributor and the researcher and data buyer. So some of the founding principles are really around data sovereignty, privacy, transparency, fair you know, compensation, and some of the kind of two top level objectives are about building trust and driving data quality. And we believe that even with some marginal success in building trust and starting to address, you know, data quality, we believe there really can be some dramatic improvements. And when we look from a, you know, a technology perspective, some of the attributes of utilizing blockchain technologies, we believe help us in the direction to, to achieve those things. That's fantastic. And, and so, you know, when you talk about what you guys are focused on and how does a customer engage with you guys in terms of kind of a business relationship? Yeah, so, so there's really, this is a classic marketplace where on one side we have consumers and it's not mobile first, it's mobile only. You know, they would they download on their, on their smartphones and able to engage with these various, you know, data offers and, and tasks and stuff. And there's some pretty exhaustive profiling and data contribution. And, you know, one of the key differentiators is that we are not holders of any of the data. You know, 
it's really data sovereignty by design where they have full control and access to you know to their data so and then on the other side is really a series of mechanisms to be able to request access to data to be able to compensate for data and then be able to you know, get them engaged in some of these various you know, various data tasks so you're really a facilitator, I mean, in the truest sense as a marketplace. You're not necessarily, you know, could somebody, if you're a panel company, could somebody leverage your marketplace to be able to get their panelists to participate in this way? Yes, definitely. The, the goal is to, you know, at the core of it is this protocol that really sets a series of rules that, you know, for example, you know, it protects from having this downward spiral or race to the bottom for, you know, for pricing. So there's some concepts about, you know, fair, you know, compensation. So the idea is to have utilization of the protocol, whether you are a brand, whether you are a panel, whether you are an existing research house, it's really about kind of trying to plug in you know, these you know, in the various methodology. Very cool. So I know a lot of people who are still speculative, I guess that's, or, or kind of wait and see mode, those people potentially could be characterized as not necessarily understanding the magnitude of what might be quote unquote broken in our industry right? In terms of quality, in terms of respondent experience, respondent rates. Give us your perspective. Where are we kind of in the traditional data collection or, or survey-based data collection? You know, how, how do you characterize that part of the market today? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we've spoken to a lot of people around what are the problems in industry. And we keep hearing things like long surveys, declining participation, we have, you know, fraud, we have all these things. And I'm not convinced that these are problems. I think these are symptoms. Okay. Symptoms of other problems, of other things that, you know, are happening. So, you know, for example, one of the biggest challenges is we have this thing called a matrix question, where mm-hmm. in many times it's the worst thing that's happened to us because you can easily have a 10 by 20 matrix because it's incredibly efficient and it's so much easy. It's so easy to add a couple other items to it. Well, this doesn't really work within the world of that we exist where things need to be quick, things need to be mobile focused. I think we've somewhat lost our perspective on the consumer. Mm-hmm. The consumer in hand, I think there's a lot that needs to be that needs to be accomplished. Like if we look at what are some of the, uh, the challenges in the industry, looking at the two key stakeholders, if you look at the consumer, what do they care for? They care for a good experience, paid well, privacy, and data control, especially this privacy and data control thing. These are macro things that are really encroaching across the board. So that's what their real concerns. And if we look from the data buyer to researcher, you know, we want access to data. We're concerned about data quality. Privacy and transparency, these things are becoming you know, very real things for us and, and price. And I'm not convinced that we're achieving any of these on both sides you know, very well. So th- the way I envision or think about technology is anytime we have a new methodology or a new technology, this is an opportunity to kind of reset or rethink how we do things. And with all the hype and all the criticism of blockchain and everything, Mm-hmm. If tomorrow, if it disappeared, the key takeaway is that it's really made us rethink how we do things and what's possible. Like a decade ago, you know, things like Bitcoin and blockchain didn't exist. Now there's literally billions of dollars of data store 
that just kind of came to be because of somebody's theory. There's something very interesting about that. And, you know, part of this blockchain thing is for all the things that we're trying to do, we really don't need it. You know, I can argue we don't need blockchain to achieve any of this. But on the other hand, we can say, well, we do have these real problems in the industry and we haven't been able to fix it or address it properly in the last you know, 10 or 20 years, you know, right. 15 years ago at conferences, we're still hearing the same problems as we're, as we're, we're having today. So if we leave it to um, kind of the natural forces, we have this collective action where this just kind of continues to, to happen. So is blockchain an opportunity to kind of make a, a reset on a few things, on a few motivators and incentives to do things and increment it one step further. It's not going to change things overnight, but fundamentally we'll get us, you know, one, you know, one step closer to addressing. So is this an evolution or revolution in your mind in terms of what blockchain offers both the respondent as well as the researcher? If you're looking for headlines, it'd be a revolution. If you're looking for reality, it's, it's an evolution. Okay. You know, and it's not going to work everywhere. It's not going to work for, you know, for everything. But there are places it will work. And, you know, we focus a lot on our industry, but I often say, let's kind of look around us and look at some of the peripheral industries and what are they doing in this? If you look at brands, there's a lot of work that's happening around, you know, supply chain and sustainability and using blockchain to help address some of those things. You know, mm -hmm. if certified or claim to be certified organic, it's very you know, prudent to have these audible systems. If you look at, you know, advertising, which is, you know, one of the largest buyers of, of, of research. And, you know, I've been very fortunate to spend a fair bit of time within the advertising and research industry when it was in its, in, in its height and kind of seeing some of the problems it was happening they are aggressively looking at blockchain to help clean up their, their supply chain. So what's going to happen? You know, one of my predictions is as we progress, you know, these things are going to kind of start taking into play. And the one thing that they are missing, that they will be missing, mm -hmm. the consumer connection. And one thing this industry is very good at is understanding consumers, being able to curate real data, very structured data about the consumer. And it will come our time to kind of plug into all these you know, various systems. Or if you look at AI, AI has a bigger data problem, data quality problem than we do. AI is about learning from data. Mm -hmm. And data quality really quickly goes, you know, you know, goes, uh, you know, you know, downhill, it becomes a spiral. If you're learning from, you know, uh, from, from poor data, you know, when we have poor data results, we can usually tell a story that doesn't really exist, you know, within AI. So I believe that as an industry, if we kind of step back, we have a very important role to play into connecting into these um, other peripheral uh, industries. And it's, you know, it's for us to get this together to understand how we could connect into those and how to address some of these, uh, some, some of these various uh, challenges. That's interesting. And, and what have you heard from people that are kind of not necessarily believing in, in blockchain as a solution to deal with some of these symptoms or, or really kind of the, the larger problem in our industry? Yeah, there is, there's a lot of 
you know, push back. And, and I think rightly so. This, you know, some of this stuff is yet to, be, yet to be proven out. There's been a lot of hype. But I also think that this is an important part in our, you know, in our evolution. You know, I'm yet to see, you know, something that, you know, uh, really addresses some of these challenges and, you know, able to kind of reset some of these expectations. You know, the, when it comes to, you know, blockchain, if, you know, if we take out all the technical stuff, right. the way I like to describe it, there's nothing but an expensive, slow database that you can't <laughs> write to, you can't change it, and nobody owns it. But, okay. But it has one superpower. And that's a superpower of building trust. And you don't, like I said, we don't need a blockchain to do all these various things, but it really is based off of a few core fundamentals of using things like cryptography for privacy, for transparency and, and accountability. So you put all these things together and it really gives us an opportunity to start looking at data collection and um, looking how do we engage with consumers and how do we protect their privacy? How do we provide, you know, transparency? And, you know, some of these terms like privacy and transparency, these two terms are kind of at odds with one another. There's some very interesting stuff that we're able to um, start exploring with this. Tell me more a little bit. First of all, I love, I love your analogy or kind of the, your description of blockchain, especially with the superpower of trust. So we'll come back to that. But tell me a little bit more about how privacy and transparency are at odds with each other. Right. So how do you be transparent mm-hmm. in what you do and how you do it, but at the same time ensure you know, you know, privacy? And you know, the way we approach these two things is that Privacy and transparency need to be part of your design. You need to be privacy by design versus let's implement a bunch of privacy and transparency protocols. And these are also very macro trends that we are seeing across the board, in part because of you know, the number of data breaches and everything that we are seeing. So these are things that are important today. They're going to be even more important tomorrow and even more critical into the future. If we look at GDPR, some of the implications and stuff that we are, you know, starting to have to deal with. But Mm -hmm. when we think about, you know, privacy, let's think of of a world where we don't have our efficiencies that we have today. You know, today you can build a panel of a few hundred thousand people, a million people, have a central database, and it's very convenient to profile people and start, you know, sending them offers to participate in things. If we look at data sovereignty and privacy, what if we lose that luxury? Mm. All the data is stored and encrypted at the user level, and we have no access to it. Well, how do we then now provide, you know, transparency to that? And when we talk about, you know, the blockchain, there's no such thing as a blockchain GDPR compliant blockchain. There's only GDPR compliant, um, you know, applications. So what we're doing at Measure is we actually have no access to user data. And we're using a bunch of interesting cryptography where we're using technique, you know, it's referred to as zero knowledge proof. So it's about sharing a secret without having to reveal it. You know, one of the examples I often use is, you know, you have your kids that come from Halloween, they got two bags of of candy, and it's very important who has more candy, but nobody wants to count it and let the other individuals see exactly how many that they have. Well, these zero knowledge proofs 
allow you to prove to somebody else that you have more than them or you have a secret without actually revealing what it is. So, you know, we brought on board the chair of cryptography at IIT to help us kind of develop some of these, you know, these techniques. So what do you actually put on the blockchain ends up being a bunch of encrypted behaviors that people can look at. So how you know this individual with this encrypted you know code you know how many surveys did they participate in the last you know 24 hours you know seven days 30 days what are their what's their reputation score for Mm -hmm. you know participating into surveys and how does it work the other way around Uh, what's a reputation score for people providing offers and the quality of survey and data tasks you know can you imagine sending an offer to an individual to participate in the survey and they have a one star rating. Uh, you know, what are the implications for right. it? If we take some of the things that we've learned from, you know, that we see, you know, with Uber and stuff doing these two, mm-hmm. you know, sided rating scores, well, we have that stuff transparent on the blockchain, but still protecting the identity of various individuals. So, you know, we see these techniques which have largely been driven by some of the developments in blockchain and and cryptography are becoming very, very relevant to what we're trying to, to accomplish, you know, today. So the only way these things can actually work is if you start aligning people's motivations and modes of operating. So you potentially will not get away with these long matrix questions in right. device that are poorly formatted. And where are you, Paul, in the journey? Where's Measure in this journey? Well, the exciting part is we've just launched a, a pilot program. We have a number of brands, technology partners, a number of panel companies and, and suppliers. We've launched a, the pilot this month. Congratulations. Um, That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And we're going to be launching data collection in the next um, uh, number of uh, number of weeks. Um, so we see a lot of um, interesting stuff happening this year. We're, you know, closer uh, into, you know, Q1, into Q2, more of a public launch. So, you know, if there's anybody out there who's interested into getting some insight and uh, participating in the pilot, there's still a couple uh, spots left open. So it's exciting times. We've uh, been about a year in uh, in the making and we've been writing code from from day one so even the smallest pieces of these components are considerable amounts of work so exciting times that's great as you and I've spoken in the past there's a lot of kind of new on players in this space and how would you say measures different as it relates to other companies because I feel like everybody has their own flavor or version of of what they're doing as they leverage blockchain yeah, I'd say where we stand out is we really see that there's only two stakeholders. That's the consumer. Okay. It's very consumer first, and it's really around focusing on, um, you, know, you know, privacy and transparency by, you know, by design. So we put a lot of time and effort trying to curate for the respondent. You know, we really want to combat, you know, the tendencies to you know, race, you know, to the bottom for compensating and engaging and experience more than ever. Experience for, you know, consumers means more than anything, you know, more than anything else these days. And if we can make some progress on that, the rest of the pieces just start falling together. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I t- completely agree. It's actually addressing a big issue that we continue to talk about, and that is respondent experience and making sure we treat them fairly, you know, quite frankly, to ensure that our industry continues to exist. Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, we're, you know, we really need to push ourselves to be data minimalists. You know, mm-hmm. there's such a tendency and, you know, every, I'm guilty of it as much as anybody else that, you know, you just want to add one more question. Yeah. Just two, three or three things to just in case, because this might be interesting. Yeah. I think there is data quality also means being a data minimalist is, you know, collecting and engaging only in ways that you really need to. And I think this fundamentally plays out well for, you know, brands and buyers of, of data. And, you know, often the analogy I use is, you know, the time that we spent in, you know, the ad world, you know, the, they had the same problems. We look back five, six years, it was data quality. It was transparency. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, you know, it was fraud. And, you know, there were things in place to help uh, address these, you know, viewability became the big, you know, discussion at one mm-hmm. point, but it took the moment that the big brand stood up and said, we will no longer pay for anything that we can't verify as being viewable. Yep. Between that and programmatic, it literally changed the industry overnight. And there's companies that went being from successful IPOs to pretty much disappearing in, you know, in 12, in 12, 18 months. And, you know, one of my big predictions for this industry is that we will have a time where brands stand up, they are building data quality and engagement, you know, policies internally, they will stand up. And they will say to the industry, we have a minimum requirement for data quality and how to engage with, uh, you know, with, with consumers. And I think the day that happens, it's going to have big ramifications across the, across the industry. So is blockchain going to address that and fix it? Uh, maybe not, but I do guarantee that it will get us one step closer to being in a better spot for that. That's good for everybody, right? It just forces us to be smarter and more, more calculated in terms of how we approach our research. Definitely. So, Paul, what's been the hardest part of this journey for you or, and the team? Well, I tell you, I've done this a few times. I've been involved in a few startups, a few venture funded, and I've always said, you know, I'll never do this again. And, <laughs> and here we are. I wouldn't wish yeah. it upon my, my uh, worst day. <laughs> you know, often the, the, the biggest challenge is us getting in front of ourselves and um, trying to be focused, uh, trying to stay to these, uh, you, know, you know, principles. You know, funding is always a nightmare. You, sure. you, know, you raised a nice seed round, but we race towards our death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, always working on, on, on the next piece. Yes. Um, you know, I'd say the exciting part is there's so many interesting problems and challenges to, you know, to take head on. So it's nothing but exciting. You know, one of my biggest fears is just natural resistance to, you know, to the industry to just kind of keep doing things because it's convenient. But, you know, there's enough really smart people and, you know, time and time we talk to people, people really are embracing and trying to drive change uh, while still trying to, you know, kind of, you know, keep working and keeping clients happy. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are times when I have gotten frustrated with kind of the speed in, in, in terms of how our industry changes. But when I look back at, you know, and even forward at times, you know, 
you kind of look at the goodness of it and say it's a checks and balance. It just makes us work smarter and be more efficient in terms of what we're trying to do. So that's the flip side of a negative to a positive. Definitely. Like what I stress about yeah. are bad habits. That's what keeps me awake at night. Okay. You know, both personally and within our industry. Like sure. creatures of um, complacency and we're habitual. Yes. Uh, and it's very easy to get comfortable. Mm. And that's when, you know, things get boring. That's when kind of we kind of start losing our drive and stuff. And I think it's upon us all to kind of keep pushing ourselves away from com complacency. And even if it feels like it's just impossible, you tackle these things to keep things interesting. Because as long as you're doing things and you're looking at interesting problems and looking at ways to conquer them and to tease them, there's nothing but good results to come out of it in the long run. So then when you look back, you're like, you know, we did actually accomplish a lot. Right despite the challenges and frustrations along the way. Yeah. There's a quote that resonates very clearly. Like there's some days that are so long and they feel it's impossible to like get through kind of the resistance. And then when you look back and say, wow, yeah, we really did make a lot of progress um, yeah. when you step back and look at it. That's definitely it. Paul, thanks so much for joining me today. And I'm excited that you guys are going to be at SampleCon. That's going to be fantastic. Yes, and uh, we look forward to seeing you there. And Love to continue to keep in touch and hear about all the success that you guys are putting forth. Yes, definitely. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. And if people wanted to learn more, uh, did you want to just share your website and, and kind of social media links? Sure. You can find us at measureprotocol.com or you can reach out to me directly at Paul at Measure Protocol and find us on LinkedIn and all the um, Twitter at Measure Protocol and, and so forth. Sounds great. Thank you, Paul. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.